You're listening to The Union Podcast. The Union exists to bring biblical confidence and clarity to the topics of relationships and sexuality. On this podcast, we unpack the damaging effects of modern sex culture and discuss how to heal from the past and enrich your relationships. Here are your hosts, Brian and Bonnie Pugh. Hey everyone, welcome to the Union Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh and this is my wife, Bonnie. Hello there. And we are so glad that you've joined us here. And if this is your first time, the Union Podcast is all about uh, really having biblical clarity on the topic of sexuality, identity, marriage, relationships, all these different all these different attributes of life. And our goal is to find wholeness in the in the person of Jesus and really his redemptive work in our lives, no matter what our past has been, no matter what our current scenario is, uh, we believe that Jesus is enough uh, to bring us into wholeness, to bring us into right standing and healing and all those different things, um, you know, that he's purchased through his life, death and resurrection, you know, all those different uh, uh, avenues of the work of the gospel. So we're so glad that you've joined us here. If you are a return listener, we would love it if you would comment and subscribe. And even if this is the first time, even if you are, you know, a first time listener, and if you want to subscribe, we won't be mad. We won't be mad at you. We would really love that. Really appreciate it. And uh, but if you've been back a few times and you're thinking, man, yeah, I really enjoy this content and it's helping you and enriching your life, um, we would love it if you comment and share this podcast. Subscribe. Uh, it just helps us to be seen by more people and help people, more people discover the hope that Jesus brings for this area of our life. And uh, today, actually, before we jump, we jump into it. We need to talk about a real exciting resource that's come out for the union. Um, we on our e-courses page, we have launched a new course, a free course called Clearing History. This is a three-session course that I've done, just uh, going through some real basic principles, some real applicable uh, truths to our lives on how do we deal with the culture and the climate that we're living in when it comes to sexual temptation, when it comes to uh, even pornography and all these different things that we're facing. How do we live pure? in an impure atmosphere or an impure culture. Like we're constantly bombarded uh, by sexuality. And when we're trying to walk the narrow road that Jesus calls us to, sometimes it can be really difficult um, to navigate all these things. But I lay out some really cool and clear, (laughs) I think I said that before, uh, cool, I meant to say key uh, principles uh, from God's word that just help us to stay focused, help us to, uh, to stay equipped and be on the offensive and not just on the defense all the time, that we can live a, a, an abundant life uh, in Jesus, not constantly feeling um, pushed down and worn down uh, by the temptations that we face in everyday life. But uh, I'm so excited to jump into this episode today. We are con- going to continue on in talking about gender identity. That's right. Yeah, this month we've actually been you know, spending a lot of time talking about identity over in our s- social media and also in previous conversations here on the podcast couple episodes ago, we talked with Dr. Julia Sadusky, uh, co-author of the book, Emerging Gender Identities. Uh, and that was a good conversation. That was very much, if you haven't listened to it already, I encourage you to go back. A lot of even just definitions. I know that all the, all the stuff around gender and sexuality, and there's so many terms and phrases and it can feel intimidating. But in our conversation, in my conversation with Dr. Julia, it was like, we really have to, for the sake of the next generation, we have to lean in and try to understand the climate that our kids and maybe your grandkids, maybe your coworkers, maybe your classmates, you know, depending on your scenario, that w- what they're dealing with. And so 
there's a lot of really helpful insights in that. And then uh, just our last last episode that just released was with Carissa Shockley. And we went through her own story of somebody who experienced some trauma at a young age and how it impacted how she viewed her own identity and her own sexuality by her own confession that she struggled with gender dysphoria and ended up turning to a lesbian relationship. And and then just the journey, the journey of like encountering Jesus and surrendering to him and finding some healing. And uh, yeah, I bet, I, I just know you'll be really encouraged. So I, you know, if you haven't listened already, go go on back to those. Uh, today though, we want to talk um, from, you know, primarily in the book of Genesis, we, we, we see the story of a man named Jacob. Uh, Brian and I, we've been talking a lot about uh, mm-hmm. just, it was like it kind of just came up in both of our minds and in this last little while. And so we wanted to share what we think we can, what you might relate with him um, in more ways than than you expect. Right, right. And I think it's been, you know, it's been really interesting looking at his life and looking at some of the um, very, very key dynamics of his life. And if you look at them through the lens um, of gender identity and the current, you know, climate that we're living in right now and the confusion and everything like that, that's really come to the forefront. It's, there's some really key truths that start to jump out to you and really some hopeful things that start to jump out to you. Um, as we kind of look at it through this, through this lens and we don't today, we definitely don't want to try to insert anything into the Bible. That's not clearly there, Yeah. but I think there's some principles and truths that are in this story and in the account of his life. Um, that when they are applied to this area of gender identity are actually really hopeful and actually really, um, you know, can, can meet, can meet people where they're at and give them hope and truth to grab a hold of. And mm-hmm. so if you're not familiar with this guy named Jacob, we're going to kind of do a little bit of a history, a brief little history lesson of who he is. And, um, so we, we look into the book of Genesis, we look into the old Testament. If you're ever have a hard time finding Genesis, just flip all the way to the front and you're there. Um, no, that's the table of contents. You want to go a little bit to the right and uh, you'll find Genesis. That is just such a cheesy, lame pastor joke right there. It's all right. I did it. I did it. I'm sorry. Not sorry. But um, we kind of look, um, God's plan of redemption is a promise that he makes to a guy named Abraham. He's like, I, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. And and Abraham, you know, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, at the time, they were just like, man, like, how is this going to happen? Like, we can't have kids. We're old and our time has passed. This isn't going to happen. And God shows up in Abraham's life and is like, hey, no, actually, I'm going to come back, you know, a year from now. If I were to come back a year from now, I'm going to see, um, you know, you're going to see that your wife will be with child. And um, and it does the process doesn't really come fast enough. Um for Abraham. And so Sarah comes up with the idea like, Hey, why don't you sleep with my servant Hagar, which is always a great idea just to take God's plans into your own hands to bring them about. It always works out really well. Um, it doesn't work out well, actually. Hagar gets pregnant and this is where Ishmael, um, is one of Abraham's sons, but is not the son of promise is not the son that God had promised to bring about his plan of redemption through. And so we see Abraham um, gives birth, Abraham's wife, Sarah, is, does get pregnant and gives birth to a guy named Isaac. Well, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, years and years later, they give birth to a guy named Jacob. And he is a twin brother of another dude named 
Esau. And what's crazy that we see in the scriptures is that when they were born, Jacob came out grabbing the heel of his older brother, right? So Esau's born probably just, you know, like we have twin boys and they love to just say like, hey, I was 17 seconds earlier or 40, what was it? 47 seconds? 45. The nurse said like 45 seconds. Yeah. So they love to say like that they, like our older boy, Samuel loves to tell everybody that he was, uh, he was born first. Well, Esau is born first, but Jacob comes out and he's grabbing the heel um, of his older brother Esau, which is like a foreshadowing, a prophetic foreshadowing of who Jacob is going to be. And um, it's really interesting. You look into his life, he grows up and it, the scriptures say that Esau was, you know, he was this hairy guy and he was kind of like this man's man, hunters, you know, kind of a hunter outdoorsman. You know, probably a pretty tough, rugged dude. And then we have Jacob that says that his skin was like super soft. You know what I mean? He liked to stay at home and, and uh, you know, he's good at cooking from what we can see. In Genesis, we see that he was really good at putting together a meal. Um, but he wasn't his favorite. He wasn't the favorite of his dad, Isaac. It says that Isaac preferred Esau. And, um, you know, Rebecca kind of preferred Jacob, you know what I mean? And Jacob's relationship with his mom was tighter than what, what he had with his dad. And so this created a deficit in his life. And this is what I, I find so interesting. If we were to start to look into um, this conversation around gender identity is the reality that it's, you know, the culture today and society today is kind of pushing this narrative that it's, it's just nature that you, you were born this way and that there's nothing that could, you know, this, there's nothing that um, you're not this way because of something that happened to you. This is just who you are. And this has always been this way. And um, when in actuality, I think it's important for us to see that there are things that, you know, can happen in our lives. And especially as Carissa Shockley shared in this last episode, that there's things that can happen in our life that shape the way we see the world around us and see even ourselves and start to see our own sexuality. And I think this is true about, about Jacob. Uh, Jacob grows up with a deficit, you know, not having healthy, safe, appropriate affirmation from his dad. And um, so he's longing for this identity. He's longing for uh, a blessing and he's even willing to dress up as his brother. And he says that he put, you know, he put animal skins on his arms, which kind of makes you think like, really how hairy was Esau? You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you're going to be compared to like a grizzly bear, you know, that's, that's something else. So, um, but I just, I think it's so key and so amazing that he dresses up like Esau to get this blessing. And I go, man, it's not just like so many of us that we feel the need to dress up or to be something else. Um, or that we're just not enough in and of ourselves we have to be something else to be to get a blessing that we always wanted. But, but um, you know, as I look as I look at this story, God meets Jacob in a very unique way. So he goes. Jacob steals the birthright and the the blessing from Esau. He deceives Esau, and then now he has to flee for his life because Esau is good with a bow, and he's going to take off. And um, and it was in this place that God actually reveals his plan of redemption. So here's Jacob. He's out in the wilderness of Bethel, and he's got his head on a rock. He's just in a horrible place. This is not good. You know, he got what he thought he wanted, 
and it's brought isolation. It's brought confusion. He's now he's running for his life. It's brought so much fear. And what does God do? God, while he's sleeping, shows him a vision of his plan of redemption. That this this ladder that goes from heaven to earth, where he sees angels ascending and descending, um, which is actually fulfilled in what Jesus says in John chapter one. He says that you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, referring to himself. Jacob gets to see this this plan that God has to continue on the promise through Abraham through his life, even though he's confused, even though he's hurt, even though he's broken. Um, and even though he's alone and even though he's isolated and he's, he doesn't know what to do, doesn't know where to go. So I encourage you. That's a, like a very, very quick, very, um, quick overview of kind of the story of Jacob. But I, I hope that that's helpful for you because as we look into some of these key dynamics that Bonnie's going to pick up here, um, we need to remember that God has a plan of redemption and God has a plan um, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what confusion you're experiencing, um, God has a plan uh, of redemption through Jesus. So, yeah, I find it I find it really interesting that like Jacob left, you know, he left his mom and his dad and Esau and kind of ran away at a time when you know he'd had this blessing and he got the birthright, and then he went away, and it was years later that he actually um, returns home. And he returns home, like he left empty-handed and returns home with just loads of, loads of things, like, yes, possessions, but then also like he has, he's married and he has 12 children and he has servants and livestock and he's so, he's just multiplied, but he is coming home and he's still not satisfied. And I just, it's so fascinating. And then he's, so he's going to meet up with Esau. He's scared. Because Esau, he's like, Esau might still be so mad at me. So there's this, it's like the night before this confrontation, this potential confrontation. And he, again, just kind of separates himself away from, from people. You know, seems a little bit like that encounter he had with God on his way out. You know, like what Brian mentioned about the, you know, laying down on that rock, that hard place. And he has this, another though, another encounter with the Bible says it was an angel. Some wonder if it was like a, if it actually was um, like God himself or Jesus in, you know, in, in a form wrestles, wrestles with, with Jacob and they wrestle all night long, which is interesting. Again, Jacob's name, it means like a heel grabber or a deceiver or a wrestler, kind of all this word Jacob has those meanings connected to it. He's wrestling the angel and then it's about to, it's about to dawn, you know, the sun's coming up and the angel says, let go of me. Like I, like you need to, you need to let me go. And Jacob's like, no, I'm actually not going to let you go until you bless me. And it's like, it's like he for so long had been seeking after the blessing and the affirmation of humanity. Maybe like, like what you said, Bri, about the seeking after the affirmation of his dad. Mm-hmm. And then he realized, even though I got that and I'm coming home, I am blessed. I have so much. I still actually am seeking the affirmation and the the blessing of someone mo- someone more, you know. And it and so this angel says, you know what, your name, he, or he says, what's your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. So I'm a wrestler. I'm a deceiver, you know, by his own admission. 
And then the angel says, your name is no longer, no longer going to be Jacob, but it's going to be Israel from now on. And the word Israel means a prince. And I just love it. It's such a shift. Um, yeah, it's just such a shift of his identity mm-hmm. from being someone who's always behind, someone who's always, you know, feeling like he's lacking uh, to somebody who now is, can stand as a, in a place of royalty. And then it says that the angel actually touches his hip and it kind of, it's like it loosens a tendon in his hip. And from then on, he walked with a limp. Mm-hmm. And so he goes out to meet his brother Esau walking different than when he left and ends up, you know, pretty honestly to Esau's credit, Esau comes out with forgiveness and generosity and like yeah, grace. Um, Which to, is such a miracle. You yeah. Know what I mean, considering what he had, what he had lost and what had been stolen from him. Totally. It's actually phenomenal. And, and so Jacob's life or Israel's life, you know, um, takes this, you know, this crazy turn. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting just to backtrack a little bit. Maybe one of the things I missed is like with, with Jacob and with Esau, you have two very different kind of expressions of manhood. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you have Esau, who's kind of the, like I said, the outdoorsman type and kind of rough and tough. And then you have Jacob, but the reality is, is both, both of these young men are men. Yeah. And I think this leads into some of the, the challenge that we're, we're facing in society today is that we have manhood within kind of just one context. You know what I mean? That's about how much you can bench press, mm-hmm. um, you know, how loud you can burp, you know what I mean? All that. Right. <laughs> just being stupid. But, you know, like, um, you know, just some of these things, it's like, well, hey, you, you know, you better have a huge jacked up pickup truck and, right. you know, and that's what manhood is. And you better play football or, you know, some co- sort of contact sport. And I go like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's, those definitions are clearly be. in scripture yeah. you know, enough for us to hang our hat on, Yeah, you know? And I think like, how hopeful would it be for, you know, a young man who maybe isn't strong, uh, athletically or isn't into contact sports or something like that, but has a, you know, a gifting in sciences or a gifting in, you know, the, yeah, just like I said, the academics or, you know, arts or something like that, music, like that doesn't fit in this kind of strict, you know, um, cultural stereotype that we try to put men into. But as we look into scripture, we see that, you know, manhood is described in a, in kind of a character way, not just in the biology, but like in the character that you're laying your life down. You're a protector. You're doing what's right instead of what's easy. You're denying yourself for the betterment of others. That's right. I remember, I remember this key moment years ago, our, our brother-in-law, it was his grandfather. Um, and he ended up living past a hundred and, you know, we were at a family birthday party. I think it was for my niece and he was there. And I remember just seeing, you know, as he was getting older, his, his, I knew like when he was a young man, I'd heard stories and seen pictures like he had been physically strong, but then he, here he is, he's coming to the end of his days on earth, you know, and I'm seeing the frailty and he's needing help to get out of his lawn chair. And he's, you know, there's a little, little edge on the sidewalk and he's needed, needing an arm. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking how cruel it would be if we were limiting masculinity to to physical strength or to these outward expressions. Otherwise it would actually rob this man who was so honorable and so Mm -hmm. courageous and so kind. It'd be robbing him of that masculine identity. And so 
yeah, masculinity has to extend beyond kind like borders beyond like just what's normal in your nation. It has to, there has to be something that defines it that can go yeah beyond around the world, regardless of your age, you know, regardless of what, even whether you're married or single or whether you have children or you don't like they're, I love what you're saying. These characteristics of, you know, following Jesus, who was the, the, that ultimate representation of what it meant to be a man. And he laid his life down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like if we, you know, just again, just looking at the life of Jesus, it just, it would blow open so many of these stereotypes that we have a man, you know, um, with what makes a man in kind of his behavior, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and everything like that and how he interacts with people. It's just like, we see Jesus being so compassionate yet being so protective. You know what I mean? And the way he would speak to the Pharisees at the time, which like, we don't like the scriptures don't really lay them out as just like, they were just the current religious leaders. They were current religious leaders that were, you know, orchestrating a, um, a system that was keeping people, um, far from God, you know, and and extorting people. And like, just to think about a bully, they were like, they're, yeah, they're kind of like a, a religious gang, you know, yeah. in some ways, right? Like, I just think about the story of Lazarus, and it says that they were trying to kill Lazarus because of, right. you know, like, they didn't want the story to get out of what, how Jesus has raised him from the dead. And it's just like, whoa, this is this is intense stuff. But um, we see Jesus being so protective and willing to put himself in harm's way um, for others. And, yeah, doing doing what's right instead of what's easy, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think we do need to make space for the wide expression of, you know, whether in masculinity or femininity, there's that there is a lot of room for the different personality types. And absolutely, our goal is the transformation of our character into the nature and character of Christ. And I do know that and this, you might, you know, this might make some people angry, but that's okay is that based on our biology, there are distinctive, um, I would say assignments Mm -hmm. entrusted to women and entrusted to men um, on earth, you know? And uh, like as a woman, I, God has given me the assignment and trust, well, it's a funny way to say it. It's not my only assignment is to have children because there's lots of women who don't have children Mm -hmm. and that doesn't make them less of a woman, but you can't have children unless you are a woman. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one, like it's a clear distinctive. And I love, you know, I love in the book of Genesis when it talks about Eve before she had, it was before she had children she was still called just that she was the mother of all the living. And there is that nature within women to release life. And I think that's something that we've forgotten or we've diminished, um, Simply because it can get awkward where we go, does that mean you have to have children in order to be a woman? No, of course not. And it's also not all you do, mm-hmm. but that releasing of life is yeah. significant to women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyways, yeah. So um, another portion of scripture that has just been on my mind and wanted to share today is, is found in Isaiah chapter 56. And it um, in the book of Isaiah, there's a lot of, I mean, it's, pretty profound prophetic messages uh, to the people of God where they were living in a place of compromise um, spiritually and morally. 
And so there goes through all these warnings for chapters and many chapters, just the warnings of what would happen. And, and a lot of those prophecies, like the Israelites didn't heed the warnings and they continued to disobey. And so then there was a lot of destruction released in their nation. But then in the, the later chapters of Isaiah, there's these promises of restoration, which is uh, just phenomenal. And so one time I came across and it's Isaiah chapter 56, where there's this promise. Um, and so I'm going to read it and we're going to kind of connect it in. There, there's this phrase, the eunuch, which when I was a kid, I definitely didn't know what that meant. I immediately saw a unicorn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whenever I heard that word as a kid or something like yeah. that, I'm like, oh, maybe it's just like a shortened, it's like a slang word for a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyways, you're welcome. Okay, so I'm just going to read this chunk of scripture and then just talk about it a little bit. So I guess for those who don't know, who maybe think it's more like a unicorn. Who, yeah, who so, might be misinformed. Yeah. So a eunuch, um, there's actually in the original language can have different definitions. One of them is um, somebody who chooses uh, to not get married or to not have children. Um, that's maybe less common of, the, of a definition in scriptures. Um, more common is when it's somebody who has, usually would be a male who has actually been, uh, it's the word, it would just be castrated, right? Yeah, that's the word. We went there. It's just so, I'm like, There's oh. no other way to say it. I know. So they've had um, that expression of their masculinity has been cut off. Yeah, part of their body, yeah. Yeah. And so um, that's that's what a eunuch was. And often it would be... Um, Maybe it would be like a servant or a slave who, at the force of someone else, they would be forced to become a eunuch in order to serve maybe within the harem of the palace, because then they would be like safe and they wouldn't be a threat to the women who were there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so so it says, Isaiah chapter 56, thus says the Lord, preserve justice, do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, my righteousness to be revealed. How blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who takes hold of it, who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Now this gets really good. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, behold, I'm just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me, and hold fast my covenant. To them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I'll give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. So I bring this up because so often these eunuchs, these, these men, they were having these, this physical alteration to their body because of this like the system that was mm-hmm. pushing them like the atmosphere was all around like sexual immorality. Yeah. And so they were even like I did some research into some of the false god systems and how they were worshipped is actually like genitalia a like a, abuse or like the changing of those body parts was a form of worship and there would be priests would like do cross dressing and it was all kind of connected to this worship system. Um, which is why you see even in the Old Testament, uh, 
is so wild in like the book of Leviticus or Exodus numbers where God would say, he'd be very specific about how he wanted the priest to, to mm-hmm. offer sacrifices. And yeah. sometimes you'd be like, why would that be that instruction be included? It's kind of God just saying like, Hey, listen, don't worship me the way you used to worship me or the way you see the other nations worship their gods. I'm different. I'm actually going to ask you to have restraint around your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this chapter is talking about these foreigners, these ones who are coming in from these other places. And maybe they're saying, I like, I'm a eunuch like that. Right. I've been cut off. Like, how can I still come and be a part? You know, and I just think it's so fascinating as God's just saying, like, there's a place for you. You know, if you're going to you're going to come and you're going to keep my Sabbath, you're going to choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. Then I'm going to it says I will give you an everlasting name which will not be cut off. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you've had this alteration physically, you've something has been cut off of you. I will give you a name even better than that of a son or a daughter. Yeah. You know, and so maybe those, maybe there's some of you, someone's listening right now. Maybe, absolutely. Maybe you've had a sex change. Maybe you've changed your name legally and you're like, I don't even know how I would serve the Lord now. Would I go back? Would I be who I am now? I, and I get it, man. That sounds confusing. That would be difficult to figure out. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know, like, that promise of Isaiah 56 is that there is a space for you. Yeah, totally. I think too, like, because stats would show that, you know, people who who deal genuinely with a sense of gender dysphoria or like a, dis- a disconnection from their body and for from who they are as a person and almost that feeling of being born in the wrong body, when they do these reassessment, uh, reassignment, excuse me, surgeries, um, you know, like you'd think that this feeling of disconnect from your body would just go away. Mm-hmm. The stats are actually showing that it doesn't go away and it actually even gets worse. And sure. if you're dealing with depression and, and the confusion that comes with, with this, this sense that you have about who you are and this perspective that you have of how you view the world and how you're seeing yourself and just this general um, disconnectedness, you know, you think it would go away with the surgery, but it doesn't. Right. And so what do you do when you think that you've gotten what you wanted? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Well, I think this is where we find Jacob. Yeah, he got what he thought he wanted, you know. And the, as I referred to before, like here he is in the wilderness. He's running for his life. He's afraid. He's afraid that he's gonna, he's gonna die. He's afraid he's gonna do something, you know. Or I don't know what he. I can't. I don't want to read into that too much, right? But like he's fearing for his life. He knows that Esau is coming to get him, and he's good with a bow. So like that's not. It's not looking good. So what do you do when you've hit your end? What do you do when you've done all that you thought you should do in order to find that peace and in order to find that freedom and that joy and it doesn't come through? Well, I think we remember what God said to Jacob and what God revealed to Jacob and now reveals to us is that Jacob, even though you're messed up, even though you're you're running even though you're confused, even though you're broken, even though you're dressing yourself up, trying to get a blessing, trying to get the freedom, trying to get all this stuff, you know, I have a plan and it's, and I'm going to come and live the life that you should have lived. I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to give my son, he is going to come and experience the fullness of the human experience and, and die the death that you deserve, that humanity deserves. 
to bring you back into right relationship with me. And so what is the hope for that person? You've maybe had that surgery. Maybe you've, you've been taking those pills. You've been taking those um, hormone pills and, and you're afraid and you're scared. What if this doesn't work? What, well, I can tell you what does work. Jesus's mercy and his grace and his kindness to embrace you right where you are right in this moment and to remind you that you may have done some things. You may have done some things that you regret that bring you shame and guilt, but his blood, the things that he has done is more than enough to restore you and give you that name, that name that he gives to the sons and daughters. Yeah. And even in that, in that chapter talks about the keeping of the Sabbath and, you know, we're not, like Hebrews talks about how that Sabbath, yes, there's a day and it's important for rhythms, you know, like you're not, we're not going to be work- wise. Yeah. It's not, we're not going to be workaholics. We're going to take breaks. We're going to have a Sabbath. And, um, but it, Hebrews talks about how Jesus actually is the ultimate Sabbath. Yeah. He is the one where when we come to him and we put our faith in him, that we can cease from our striving. We can cease from those works of trying to make things right. Jesus is the one who makes things right. And so our, yeah, it's our prayer for you as you listen to this. And, or maybe, maybe you know someone who, who's dealing with it, who's striving and just needs to find rest. We just join and we pray with you that you would hear you may be, that you wouldn't stop wrestling, just like Jacob. You wouldn't stop wrestling, and that you would um, let the Lord touch you yeah. and change the way you walk, change the way you see yourself. Yeah. So we understand that this is this might be a, a kind of a heavy topic, and have maybe gone some places that um, might be very real because maybe I'm talking about you, or maybe we're talking about somebody, you know, you love and you care about. And I just hope that you are encouraged and reminded again, that God is the God of restoration. And there there's things that we do to our bodies that might be that way forever, but there's also what Jesus has done to Mm -hmm. his body, what he allowed to happen to his body, being nailed to the cross, being whipped, being broken for our healing that brings about righteousness that endures forever. And uh, we just, we just hope that that that's been an encouragement to you. We would love to hear from you. If you ever, if you have any comments or questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out to us um, either on social media at the union movement. You can shoot us a DM or email us at the union movement.com. Excuse me, info at the union movement.com. And we would love to talk with you and love to help you in your journey and encourage you and remind you that God is the God of restoration. We love you so much, and we will see you here next time on the Union Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.